Are you looking for hope? Then you're in the right place. If you're not, well, you're still in the right place because we all need hope. Welcome to the Shine and Delight podcast. We hope to navigate life's storms together as we encourage and build up one another to find true saving hope and the only one that can truly satisfy. We can't fix your problems, but we'll definitely point you towards someone who will. Come along. I am excited, ecstatic. I just love being around people yeah. uh, and being able to talk to people and just do things like that on a daily basis gets me pumped. I am having a great day. Um, it's a rainy day, so the sun's not sun's not beating down on us. So I I love the weather. I love the rainy weather. So I'm having a great day, and I'm really excited to be here. We are shining in the light. Just a bunch of friends who love Jesus, and we did life so wrong for so long a time until we really found out about this thing called hope. What do you think about hope? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the fundamental messages of the gospel is that life is suffering in a way. I mean, the foundational story of Christianity is that a perfect person who did not deserve to die, he didn't deserve anything bad to ever happen to him, he goes to a cross for us and takes on probably the most physically taxing death in human history, probably the worst death in human history, and he didn't deserve that, and he did that for us so that we could have the choice to spend eternity with him. That's the foundational story of Christianity, and it's 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 not like a it's not a message where you know if you have a lot of faith in Jesus and you do all the right things and all these amazing things will happen to you. It's a message of hey, life is going to be tough for you, but look at this guy. Like if you believe in him and you have faith in Jesus, then you can have hope that the next life is much better, and that you know you are serving a God that is perfect and that is without sin, and that He can redeem any terrible thing. And like that message, I think, really, really brings people through life better than any philosophy in human history. Um, because really any other philosophy in human history comes up short in that it teaches you how to make the best out of your circumstances here on earth. But even in the best of circumstances, life is still difficult. Even if you're a billionaire, life is still difficult. And so any philosophy that, that you know, tries to maximize happiness or, or, or glory here on earth comes up short. Because what the gospel is offering is it's offering you hope in eternity. It's not offering you like hope of this perfect life here on earth that's offering you, hey, like you get to spend eternity with God. And that is something that, you know, can pull you through the suffering of life. Yeah, we live in a broken world. I think everyone around us can recognize that, that things are a little off um, based on the death and the um, negative actions that happen on a daily basis. And so no matter, like, you can't have a perfect life in a broken place uh, on that. And so we're just a couple of guys, and every once in a while we're going to have a girl on the show too, hopefully, maybe more often than not, um, who just want to have some discussions um, based on the gospel and based on hope, really, that uh, want to impact and influence uh, young men and women in our life. Uh, we're just here all on that stage where we're young, and we want to love people around as well. Why should they even care in the first place? You shouldn't care. Okay. It's pretty much worthless. Yeah. I mean, that's the perspective for most people uh, until you hit rock bottom overall on that um, because we just get to live our life. We want to live our best life now. It's pretty much the motto um, and go from thing to thing to thing, whether that be um, for as men, for women, for, for drugs, for getting the success and work. We can find a lot of things in this life that will satisfy but they only satisfy for a little bit. Um, and so we're trying to help um, show people and explain to people something that's going to satisfy for not only this life, but for eternity. Um, that's going to bring you something more. Um, and so if you've ever felt, you're like, man, there's gotta be something else out there. Or like, there's just not enough. You hit that peak, you're like, man, I just got the job. I'm in there. And the next moment, you feel nothing. Yeah. Right, we've been. Yeah. Well, and I remember, you know, there was a there was a season of life, it was my freshman year of college where 
like everything that could have gone wrong in a two-month span it all went wrong like i got cut from the baseball team at the school that i wanted to go to um you know i had to move away from home i had to transfer schools my cousin died and all these things happened within six weeks of each other and it's like god brought me to, to this point where he brought me to my knees and he was like look you know you, you did things on your own for so long and look where it got you. Like you are a broken mess and you have absolutely no hope. And now we're gonna do things my way. And he kind of, he brought me to this, this small school in Arkansas called Hendricks College, where I met a dude named Colin Raddick. Colin Raddick takes me out to McAllister's Deli. I remember we're sitting at the table on the front left next to the line. Um, I was eating a Spud Max, I will never forget it. And then he asked me this, this very pointy question, Scale of one to ten, if you died right now, how are you like are you going to heaven? What are the chances? Scale of one to ten. Six point five. and every person <laughs> I've I said six or seven, and every yep. single person I've ever asked that question to has always said six or seven. And I think it's because in the United States, we live in this society where we're surrounded by the church. Everyone knows who Jesus is, but there aren't a lot of people actually living for Christ. And I was one of those people for the first eighteen to twenty years of my life where I knew about Jesus. There wasn't a day where I didn't think I was going to heaven because I grew up in a Christian home and my parents who were, were great Christians took my sister and I to church every week. And so I never thought that I wasn't going to heaven. And that's that's terrifying looking back because if I'd have died, you know, before I was 20 years old, I wouldn't spend eternity with God because I wasn't following Jesus. I was going to church and I was, you know, wearing a cross necklace and I was, you know, reading the Bible once a semester. And I would, you know, I, I was doing all of these things that I thought I needed to do like pray before dinner but I wasn't actually living for Christ. And if I'd have died, I would not have spent eternity with Jesus. And that's terrifying because I know I'm not the only one that, that's living out that reality, that thinks that they're saved, but never actually has given their heart to the Lord. And I, I thank God all the time, looking back in retrospect, for all of these you know sufferings of that, of that freshman year of college because they brought me to my knees. And if I was a talented enough baseball player to where I made the team at Louisiana Tech, I never would have met Colin Raddick, and it's very possible I never would have heard the gospel and I wouldn't be saved right now. I would not be a Christian right now. I would not be talking to y'all right now if I was a good enough baseball player. And so at the time, like I was very frustrated that I wasn't a good player and that I wasn't talented enough to make the team. But like that lack of talent to some degree was one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave me because he brought me to Hendricks College where I heard the gospel for the first time. And I finally found that hope that I could live for Christ and that my purpose is not defined by how much money I make, who I date, who I marry, the car that I drive, the house that I live in, that my purpose is not defined in, in meaningless things like that. It's defined by the love that Jesus has for me. And now I get to live my life with the purpose of, like, I'm gonna serve Christ. And whatever that entails, whatever he tells me to do, I'm gonna do it. And I finally have a hope in, in, in this life that I can live for Christ and also in the next one, that I don't have to be scared of death. We're really glad you're average at baseball. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it's sweet that you think I'm average. Uh, that, that may be a little generous. Average you know? in one area, you know, extraordinary in others. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. But, you know, I want the people to get to know us a little bit better. Um, I want some three, the three most uninteresting facts about you, just so everyone can kind of know that. I got I got one. Um, <laughs> I had a paleo pancake for breakfast because, because I'm not vegan, so it had an egg in it. If I was vegan, that'd be super interesting, but I'm not. What about you, Neville? I read a lot. I read a lot of books. Do you ever I talk, like it. Do you ever talk to people or just read? No, I, I don't know how to talk to people. So he's awkward around women. So I know, right? <laughs> They're like, yeah. Ro, what about you? In my spare time, I watch lectures by a man named Professor Milton Friedman from the 1970s about economics. I do he's that in my pretty, he's pretty famous, actually. Yeah, I love him. He's a hero of mine. So his name is Milton Friedman, and he was an economist. He, was an econo he worked for the Treasury Department during World War II. 
and he was an economist basically for the entire 20th century. He died in like 2006. Yeah, he's basically the most ec- famous economist in the 20th century. Well, I mean, the, you know, him and Thomas Sowell. Ah, a yeah, little yeah, bit, yeah. A little bit of time. I don't, know, I don't know who Thomas. Well, he was actually a student of Milton Friedman. Anyway, but that's like, Milton Friedman's one of my heroes, and so in my spare time, I watch old lectures from him from the 1970s. Yeah, that's pretty boring. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, what about the second most inter- uninteresting fact about you? I basically wear two colors, navy blue and black. Oh wow. oh, wow. All I wear is, well, I'm wearing black today because I had to match you guys, but typically I'm like red, orange, anything vibrant is my color. Um, that's not, that's interesting. My interesting fact is I am married to one person and she's a woman. I had a sexual out. marriage. Do you feel like you're missing out? Uh, no, actually, no, <laughs> I'm pretty good. Just boring. I like, I like being boring in that area. Wow. What about you? A second uninteresting fact or a third? A third, interesting a third yeah. Oh, wow. Y'all are really putting the pressure on Neville's me. skipping his. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Neville's kind of. It's kind of putting the pressure on me. Um, I don't know. A third uninteresting fact. I went to Catholic school growing up, I guess. Oh, wow. wow, that's so boring. Did you graduate or no? No, I, I transferred to an Episcopalian school. I don't even know what that means, but cool. It's a diet Catholic. Like Diet Coke, Episcopalians are diet Oh, it's Catholics. diet. Okay, so yeah. they're, they're like not as intense as Catholics then? Yeah, well, their priests can get married. Oh, that's fun. Oh, wow. So it's diluted. So now you can get married. Yeah. yeah, it's diluted. It's like a diet Coke. It tastes like crap, but... So I, I have a question for you, right? So we are trying to reach out to the young adults surrounding us. Yep. But let's talk about Michael. And so Michael has a good job, makes a lot of money. He lives in a luxurious apartment uh, right in Upton Dallas. He feels like he doesn't need this hope that can only be found in and through Christ. What would you say to Michael? So I actually, I actually want to speak to the to the income part because I'm I work in finance and I'm a grad student in finance. And so like a lot of the guys in my class either have jobs or have accepted full-time jobs that are going to pay them a lot of money. And I was, I was kind of, you know, I was, kind of, I was talking to one of them the other day. We had a, like a happy hour social event and I had shared the gospel with this guy back in October and he was kind of talking to me and he was like, he came up to me last week at the happy hour and he, we were kind of talking about, he wanted to have a spiritual conversation. He wanted to talk about faith. And so we did. And he was like, you know, man, like I really appreciate you inviting me to the porch, inviting me to church. And I just don't think that I'm in a place right now where I want to do that. Like down the road when I'm, you know, when I have kids and I'm in my forties, like that's kind of going to be when I, when I do it. And I'm like, you know, like I, I was like, I like you a lot and you're my friend, which is why I'm going to be blunt with you about this. That's a really stupid idea. And you're driving off a cliff because we're not even guaranteed that we're going to live the next five minutes, let alone the next 20 years. And so if you kind of keep kicking the can down the road and say like, yeah, I'm going to focus on my career. I'm going to try and get my income up as high as I can, you know, meet a good girl, get married, have kids. If you wait for all of those things to happen, for you to give your life to Christ, first of all, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Number one, there's no guarantee that you're even going to live that long. And so why would you take the chance? Like, why would you kick the can down the road like that when you have a perfect Savior who wants to know you right now, like in our brokenness right now? And, you know, the reason why the income question stuck out to me about Michael, like Michael has a good job and he makes a lot of money. I fall into this trap a lot of the times too. So I am by no means innocent of this, where we think that, you know, okay, if I hit this number of income, I'll be set, I'll be good. I'll start giving to the church and I'll start, I'll be content once I hit six figures or whatever the number is. I can promise you working in finance, I have a lot of friends that make a lot of money. I promise you, your problems will not go away once you hit six figures. Once you make enough money, your problems don't go away. You just have different problems. Like right now, I'm a broke graduate student. Every single person in my life that knows me is in my life because they want to be in my life. Like no one is in my life because I can give them anything because I'm a broke graduate student. They actually give you money, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They're like, hey, man, like, I got the queso. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't like, worry. I got you. Yeah. It's on me. I have a lot of great friends. And none of, like, I don't have to ever worry, like, is someone coming into my life because they want something from me? I never have to worry about that. 
once you hit the six-figure job and you start making a ton of money and you start climbing the ladder, now you got to start worrying about, okay, like, is this person a real friend of mine or do you just want something? Like, that's just one example of a problem that you have when you start making a lot of money. And so, like, I promise you, your problems will not go away once you get to six figures. You're just going to have different problems. That's so true. Uh, I think the average is about seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars, and once you hit about that, they have studies done um, for a couple that at seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars, that's the like the peak of happiness. And obviously, it, it goes up a little bit above that, but on the curve, there's not much more of an increase. You get seventy-five, and it's like, oh, we're just gonna level out, you know, because other problems start to come about because you have too much money and you start to try and live that life. If things go on there, um, what I would say to this it was Michael, our friend, <laughs> Michael. I would just um, ask him what he is, what is his purpose. Right? What is his ultimate goal in there? And then I'm gonna, I would ask him another question like, and has this satisfied? Are you satisfied right now? And most likely he's not satisfied. Um, and that's why he's seeking after something else, something more, because we get to that, like you said, $100,000. Okay, 105, okay, 150, all right, 250. Let's see how high we can get, right? And you hit that and it doesn't satisfy. You're like, I thought that was gonna be enough. And the reason he's got a long call list is because he says, oh, I thought that girl was gonna be enough. I thought that girl was going to be enough. I thought it was going to be enough then, and it wasn't. And so just putting questions and asking them just so they can get kind of dived out into things because it's very easy to get caught up in life. We just go to work, weekends are partying, I'm getting drunk, I'm getting late, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and we don't stop. We just keep going. And so asking questions helps someone dive a little deeper into that. So, so Michael actually reminds me of a character from Scripture, and I can't find the verse, so I'm, just, I'm not going to flip through, but he's called the Rich Young Ruler. And, you know, and so basically if you don't know the story, guy walks up to Jesus. Jesus is teaching one day and he's got everything going for him. He's rich, he's young, and he's in charge. Basically, like if you ask the average 20 year old in America, what do you want to be when you grow up? They would say, by the time I'm 25, I want to be rich and I want to be running stuff. So this dude walks up to Jesus. He's got everything going for him. And he said, he walks up to Jesus, he gets on his knees and he's like saying, like, I just want to follow you more than anything. Tell me what I have to do to follow you. And Jesus says, okay, take everything that you've got, sell it, give it to the poor, and then you can come follow me. And then the guy walked away, sat, because like he didn't want to he didn't want to give up his stuff and like that dude can you if, if he would have given up all of his stuff if he would have been willing to say like hey i'm i want to follow jesus so much that i will be broke if he was willing to do that he could have been one of the people that people name their kids after today you know like he could have been iconic but he wasn't willing to give up his stuff because he said that he wanted to worship jesus but the reality is that he worshiped his stuff and he worshiped his status and like that dude did not live a fulfilled life because he did not, as far as we know, he could have gone on to, you know, write a book of the New Testament for all we know. We don't really know much about this guy, but for all we know, he never got to live out the purpose that God had for him because he idolized his stuff. And it's like, this dude lived in the first century. Like what, what did he have that was so great in the first century that he was like a camel, a basket? Like, <laughs> a, like what, did he, what did he have that was so amazing that he wasn't willing to give it up? And I think Michael, I think the reason that that parable or that not a parable it's a story that actually happened i think the reason that that resonates with so many people is because a lot of us are the rich young ruler we try and find other things in life that are oh that just looks more attractive i don't really want to give up things i want to pursue that and we seek after the things around us um and he's even he's even the guy that came up and is like you know i follow the entire law for my for my life you know and he's like dude i am i am mr hotshot i am perfect what else do i have to do god to get eternal life I'll just go your half your stuff. He didn't even say all his stuff. I think he said half the stuff, right? Oh, really? Okay. I yeah. think maybe it was half. I don't remember which one it was. I forget entirely. And he's just not willing to give up that one thing. That's. You know, it's, you know, it's crazy too. Is like the sheer delusion of it. Because, like you said, he said, "I've kept the whole law my entire life." 
That's obviously not true because no one's kept the entire law their entire life other than Jesus. Because in ancient Israel, they had 613. You're the theology student, you would know. But they had like 613 laws or something ridiculous. It's like, like 613, 630, yeah. Yeah, like you can't possibly keep that perfectly your entire life. And so this dude was deluded. And he actually thought that he was a perfect person. And that I, I think that he was, he f- kind of felt entitled to follow Jesus. Like, hey, like I'm rich, I'm young, I'm in charge, and I've done everything right. Like, you want me on your team. And you just like, no. Like, I mean, if you're not willing to sacrifice the things that I've given you, like that I, God, have given you, then no, I don't want you, I don't want you on my team. Um, but like, and I, I want to clarify, like, Jesus wants you all the time. Like, that's, he died yeah. for you. Like, he always wants you, he always wants your soul. But like, this guy, like, you know, he wasn't ready to follow Jesus. Like, he wasn't ready to put it out on the line for Jesus. And he's like, no, you're not ready. And so, like, if you, if you actually want to follow me, you'll go sacrifice all these things that I've given you. And then you'll follow me. And he didn't. The cool thing is the next day, or like in the story, the next day, um, Jesus meets another rich guy, Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. So Zacchaeus might have been richer. I don't know. He had more money. He had a house. He's wealthy, but he's a tax collector, which means he was a Jew who would take extra money on top of the Roman taxes from other Jews. So no one liked him except other tax collectors um, in that. And so I'm, he had this thing that like, man, there's there's something like this just hurts. He's hated by everyone else. He has money. He thought that would satisfy. It's not there. He has everything he's wanted, basically. And Jesus says, he sees Zacchaeus in the tree. He says, hey, I'm coming to your house tonight. Zacchaeus comes out the tree, okay, you know, and hosts a banquet at his own house for Jesus. And then his response is the opposite and says, I'm going to give uh, half my money away, and then I'm going to give four times whatever I took from anyone I've taken from and give it back to them fourfold, right? And his response was completely opposite because he was in a position where he wasn't Mr. Popular, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Right? He'd, hit, he'd hit rock bottom in the area, which is where it's like, man, this didn't satisfy. I don't have any friends. I have nothing around me. And he's like, man, Jesus got to have something, that, something out there. And he gave his entire life to Christ. Well, you have this other stuff promising to fulfill you. But deep down, there's a brokenness that needs to be addressed. A brokenness that only Jesus can heal. Yeah, one of my favorite questions on that is to ask, um, what do you have faith in? Uh, and that's just a good conversation starter. Um, no matter what, you like, I don't have faith. Wait, everyone, if they say that, everyone has a faith in something, right? And, and we tie faith um, to hope a lot. They're very much in, in conjunction. Um, in the sense, of, like when you have faith in something, you're hoping for that in the future. You know, I I have faith that for immigrants, when I come to the United States, I am going to have a better life, and I'm hoping for that better life. Therefore, I'm going to walk a thousand miles to get to that border and be there and come in. Right? They have a faith and a hope at the same time, uh, and so I have to ask that person what their what their faith is in and get to know them a little bit more. Is where I always start the conversation. I actually kind of I kind of take a darker turn because, like, a lot of people when you say. Another question that I ask people, too, is like, um, you know, if, if you die today and, and you're standing face to face with your creator and he said, you know, why should I let you in heaven? How would you answer that question? And basically what I've been told when I asked that or what I've been told is by a, a very good friend is that, you know, any answer to that question that starts with I is probably wrong. Like if God said, why should I let you in heaven? And you said, I'm a really good guy. I did everything right. I, you know, gave a lot of money. That's probably a wrong answer the answer that you should give should start with because of Jesus. Like, why should I let you into heaven? Because I'm a broken, terrible sinner and absent from Jesus, I deserve to be an eternal pit of suffering. But because you came down and because you sent your son to die for us, like because of Jesus, I get to go to heaven because I put my faith in him. And I said, I'm not good enough, but he is. And so I'm going to follow this guy and I'm going to put my faith in this guy and I'm going to be saved because of Jesus. And also like every single person I'm willing to go out on a limb 
and say every single person that has ever lived, no matter how despicable or evil they have been, thought that they were a good person. Like everyone has good intentions at some point. It doesn't matter what your intentions are. It matters what you do. And so like everyone says like, I'm a good person. Therefore I should go to heaven. But it's like, no, I mean, that, that that's not a standard because like if, if, if our works could get us into heaven, where do you draw the line? How much money do you have to give to charity? How many old ladies do you have to help across the street to where your resume is good enough to where you can present it to God? And he says, you know what? You're a good guy. You get to come into heaven because you've given this amount of money. It's like, who gets to draw the line there? You know, everyone is like, we're all broken and we're all messed up people. Like the, the worst people throughout history thought that they were doing the world a service, you know? And so it's like your intentions and what you think of yourself do not matter. Yeah, we never know the standard, I should say. And most, yeah. and most things like, well, when is it enough? Same thing question with money. When is enough? I don't know. When is enough to get into heaven? I don't know. That's the opposite. When we say we have a foundation in Christ and put that on the faith that we have in him, it's saying, I believe that because of what he's done for me, dying on the cross and then rising from the grave and through my faith in him, I can get into heaven. Not because of anything I do. And so that's the foundation that we get to stand upon. And so because of that, that's why we're here today, right? Yeah. It's like we have an assurance. We have this hope, this expectation of this future promise that's going to happen of, of being in heaven with Christ, of a new heaven and new earth. And that's what we're holding on to. Um, and so as you look at some of the people around us who are pursuing the things that, you know, the things that they want to, which is, I just want to get to know them, ask them questions, get to know them well, and then just love on them and make relationships. It's not just a, a one-time conversation with our boy, Michael. All right, cool, Michael. There's this good news I have for you. It's like, hey, Michael, let's hang out. Let's go grab coffee. Let's go grab a beer. Let's just do life together. Uh, and hopefully they can see something different inside of me and inside of us overall. So you guys speak about this Christ with so much conviction. It's inspiring. What's the guarantee? For example, let's say my name is Michael, right? I am living the life and I think I'm fine. But you guys are telling me that I'm broken, have issues, and only Christ can fix me. So what's the guarantee that if, you know, if I discard of all these sources where I've been finding my hope, what's the guarantee that this Christ that you present to me will actually fix me? And because if, if, if you listen to people such as Richard Dawkins and Deepak Chopra, they'll tell you that uh, it's, it's, it's not true. Mm, that is a wonderful question. Um, I, I always start with, um, man, where was I going to start with that? I lost my, bro, you got an idea? I'll be right back. Um, no, I mean, I think that, that God has made a lot of promises in his word. And I think the reason we can have hope in Jesus and know that and, and know and be guaranteed or we can be certain that he is enough is because he's promised us that he is enough in his scripture. And if he's lying to us in scripture, then he's not, he's no longer God. He yeah. ceases to be perfect. And so like, I'm willing to put my faith and, and a lot of it comes to like faith is like, I, when I gave my heart to the Lord and I truly started to follow Jesus, I knew and I had the faith that he would be enough. Like it, it wasn't like a kind of a half-hearted decision. Like I remember when I was a kid and I heard Romans 10, 9, which is that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so as a kid, I prayed the, the, the Romans 10, 9 prayer basically as a transaction. Like, you know, if this is all it takes for me to go to heaven, fine, I'll say this quick little prayer and it'll be done and I don't have to worry about it. But then... Like it, I never wanted to give up the things like of the world. Like I, I still wanted to make a lot of money. I still lived for the approval of others. You know, I never wanted to give up those things. And I think that like once I actually started following Jesus is when I said like, okay, if you take everything away from me, that's fine. I just want to, I just want to be close to you. And like, I want, I, I know that you're enough. Um, and so I'm, I'm stepping out into this abyss that we call life and I'm doing it with you and we're going to go do this thing together. And so I think, like if you're looking for a guarantee, like like a guarantee on a loan, um, I, I don't know if, if 
like you've actually put your faith in Jesus because I think that part of putting your faith in Jesus no, is knowing that it it, 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 I don't know. I don't know if I'm articulating this well, but like part of trusting in Jesus is having the faith and trusting that he will be enough. And so like, if you're looking for ironclad guarantees, like it's a contract negotiation, then I don't know if, I'm not sure if, if Michael will be in the right state of mind. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool that he always comes through in that yeah. sense. And that's how we look at that is that no matter what you do, no matter how you perform, right? He's always going to be there for you. He's always with you. And when you accept him as your savior, you are going to heaven. Um, and so I was thinking when I, when I talk to this individual, like the question you posed is I think what Jesus' response is in this world, you will have troubles, right? And so I get to ask, I get to ask Michael, hey, what troubles have you had in this life? And really looking at that. And I can ask Ro as well, I can ask Neville, even as Christians, we have troubles. But he says, take heart, I have overcome the world in the sense that he has conquered death. He's risen from the grave. And so we get to put our trust in something more than this world because no matter, as a Christian or non-Christian, you're still going to have troubles, right? But then we get to say as a solid foundation, there's something more than what's right here. And we start pointing towards something in the future, something greater. All right, guys. Um, so remember what I was thinking. Uh, it goes back to John where Jesus says, in this world, you will have troubles. And so I get to ask Michael, hey, what troubles have you had in this life? What's going on there? Um, because as we said earlier, we live in a broken world. We know there's issues. And those, these things are gonna happen to Christians and non-Christians. We're both going to have trials. The difference being that as a Christian, when there's a trial, when there's something going on, like uh, you know, a friend passes away or someone dies unexpectedly, whatever happens there, someone commits suicide around you, it's, man, that's a, that hurts so bad. But we are putting our hope in Jesus because he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world, right? And knowing that he has overcome death and has risen from the grave and through him we can have that life and we can have life to the fullest, that's what we're focusing on. And so we want to talk to Michael about the things like the troubles he's had in this world and what's going on there and how I can offer him something greater in Christ. And not really me offering, it's really just pointing it back to God um, in that. And it, it takes time. Uh, and some people, we really are really good at filling our lives with enough stuff. We're like, I'm good, I'm good. And so sadly, it's like we want, all we need is one little gap. All we need is one little spot where, you know, the life is like, I'm not, I'm full right now. I got so much going on. We see one little gap where he says, hey, there's something else out there. There's something else out there. There must be. There must be, right? Oh. And that takes a lot. Even, you know, famous Tom Brady quote, you yeah. know, looking at that when he has four Super Bowl rings. And, and a supermodel wife. And a supermodel. He's, wow. dude, he's got everything. He's playing the game still. Good looking guy in his old age. You know, his 30s old age. And he's got four Super rings. And he's like, you know what? Just not enough. There's got to be something else out there. And this guy has it all, right? And his, his life is supposed to be as full, full as possible, and there's still not enough. And so it's given examples like that where we see someone who has everything in the world, where he's famous, he has power, he has money, he has the woman, probably multiple women. Um, and you're like, that guy has everything, but it's still not enough. And so I can tell you, Michael, that wherever you get in life, he's already been there. Mr. Tom Brady's been there, and he says it's still not enough. And it's, yeah, Justin Bieber, still not enough, right? And I try and point people back to those individuals. Um, and we just hope to see how the conversation goes. Um, because I can say that the thing that we have as a guarantee is the the Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit, um, the third part of the Trinity. Um, Christ says, I could, you know, he's the guarantee of our salvation. The, the one will come who's going to be your comforter, your advocate. And that is the guarantee of our salvation. Is we're like, man, we have God residing inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And that's when, like, that's when we have this, like, man, I can be peaceful in situations where I shouldn't be peaceful because of that. And I can respond in ways with joy when I shouldn't have joy because of him inside of us. And so that's where I'm like, let's just do life together, Michael. And you can see that. I like that. I like that. So truth is, we all need hope, right? We we, we, we are all on a search for this thing called hope. You, if you have been looking for that, 
then I think I can confidently tell you that you are in the right place. And if you're not, then you are also in the right place because we all need hope. And that's really what we are shining the light. That's what we are all about. And, you know, we prayed about this. We've put a lot of work into this and we sitting right here, you know, we are also looking for the same. So we're not grace graduates, you know, we, and, and we want to navigate this with you. You know, we want to walk with you, we want to share. I think we're going to try to do a very good job in presenting that which we know to be true without really interfering with what you, what you believe to be true. And if there's any moment where you want to have a conversation with us, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear you out. We'd love to have coffee if you're within Dallas and, um, we want to thank some people who've been very helpful uh, in the establishment of this and who've really contributed a lot to the same. Yeah, I think of our friend uh, Mallory, who is literally always asking questions um, <laughs> and challenging us to be better or to be higher, I should say. When she just asks questions like, I've never thought of that before. And um, she's been very encouraging to, to, to all of us. And since like, hey, you guys can do this, you know. And so thank you, Mallory. Yeah, she's got the she's got the scientist mindset. She worked at Google, even though she hates when people say that she worked at Google. Oh, she, she, worked, she worked at Google. And um, <laughs> she developed the Google search. Yeah, she, really yeah, she worked at Google. And, but like she's got that scientist mindset where she's always asking the right questions. And she's always like, as soon as you get to a point where you think you've got it all figured out, she's like one question, she can shatter that whole illusion yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah. So yeah, shout she's out, very shout intelligent. Out she's a genius, but she doesn't like it when people say that. Yeah, I'm just going to thank the rest of the, the Porchies who we get to hang out with on yeah. Tuesday nights. Um, people who serve there and people who don't serve there. Um, the ones around us who are encouraging us and the people who go and attend and just ask great questions and who we can see some some longing for in. And that's one of the reasons we're here is we see that not only there, but on a weekly basis as we just do life around the city in, in coffee shops and whatnot. We see people who are, like, who are hurting. And we just want to bring something more to people that are hurting. So you use the word porches. Do you want to kind of elaborate what you're talking about when you say porches? Yeah. Um, so on every Tuesday night at Watermark Church, there's this really cool young adult group. Um, young adults being, you know, 19 to 30s, wherever you fall in that range. Um, that's how I define it. Um, who go and get to worship and get to hear more about this God, this Jesus Christ, and the hope that we have in him. Um, and there's usually a couple thousand people there. Um, coffee beforehand, usually hang out afterwards, people grabbing food. Um, and it's a great place to learn more about God is also find a community. Yeah. And I also want to thank my friends from Fellowship Church uh, who've also been very helpful with the same love, those people. And Zane, Zane is exceptional. Yeah, Zane, who's a really good friend of mine, but I also hate him at the same time. Yeah, it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, it's that's all, that's all yeah. the good ones. Great guy, but I hate him. You know, it's, it's one of those. I mean, I like Zane. I just, <laughs> I just, I can't, I'll, every time he and I hang out together, I can't give him compliments. I can't be nice to him. We just gotta. Yeah, he's gonna make a face. Gonna yeah, we gotta, yeah, we gotta, we gotta go at each other. So no, he's, he's a good friend and he, he knows the gospel and he's, he's very, he's very bold in his faith. Um, he's very, he's not scared to, to share the gospel mm. and to, and to minister to people who need it. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Very proud to know him. Um, and, and last but not least on that, we have someone a, in the room. Huge shout out to Matt, uh, yeah. our cameraman for the day. Um, and potentially in the future, uh, really great guy. I'm glad to get to know him. He's got a YouTube sh channel he's actually. A, he's a pro, yeah. What theology and thought with Matthew Tingblad? Matt is an absolute pro. He came in here and like when Neville said that we were just gonna have like a guy come in and film, I thought he was just gonna put a tripod up with a camera. Dude, he's got lighting equipment. He's got like multiple cameras. He's coming in. He's testing sound and this guy. He yeah. I don't. I don't know. This guy's a pro. So if you need someone to film anything, call Matt. Matt. Matt knows his stuff. Join us uh, next time as we dive into more about what is hope. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope you were encouraged and inspired to turn to the only one who can and will satisfy you. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them out. 
feel free to reach us on any social media platform at Shine and Delight. You can also shoot us an email at shineanddelight at outlook.com. Until next time, be kind, love all, share your shine.